Hello, and welcome to the Mount Rushmore podcast. I'm Jeff Hopkins, and I'm joined by my good friends, Richard Manfredi. Hello. And Michael Winfield. Howdy. Richard and Michael spend most of their time arguing with each other about the Mount Rushmore of life, the four things that best represent a certain topic. They've asked me to jump in and serve as judge and jury to decide who's right on this week's topic, the worst kind of snobs. Now, there's a special snobbery that goes to a guy who's won who has won something. And Michael won last week, and he is walking around wearing an ascot and two monocles that he does not realize are ironic because they could be glasses. But the thing is, that's all he's wearing. That's all he's wearing. This is an ascot. I hope you ass out. You know, I will say that the thing I, I, I am wearing, and I don't mind if it's pandering, but I'm wearing a T-shirt that Jeff Hopkins gave me as a gift. That's so true. Yeah, it is. And um, I hope that this somehow sways my good friend, Mm. My handsome friend. Person who officiated your wedding. It's true. I, we haven't talked about this at all because why would we? <laughs> but, okay, so uh, winner, Michael Winfield, you go first. The worst kind of snob to me is a, a, a music snob. And it's not just a music snob. It's a music snob who is into a band. And as soon as that band becomes popular, they get mad Ooh. and they're mad at themselves Ooh. or they're mad at the person that found it or the band themselves or they're mad at the band mm-hmm. themselves and they love their music. And then as soon as they go from like indie label to major label, or maybe they don't even go from one to the other, just, they just become popular. I, I think that there's a weird, like internet commentary, like first, right. I, uh, mm-hmm. Hey, Hey, you guys, I knew I, I saw these guys play back in 1998. At the, I was in a built to spill room. before anybody else was. And I can't believe and you're no. Uh, well, I did. Yeah. And uh, all of a sudden, as soon as someone else like knows one mm-hmm. of their songs or is in their albums or God bless these bands that all they can do is sell a song and it gets onto a commercial and they're fine for a while and they don't have to tour and they don't have to live out of a van. Uh, a van. But there's that there's the fan base that is just like. Well, I was in them first, and you didn't know them back then. Yeah, and uh, well, I can't believe I can't believe that you did. You, know, you sold out yo, to yo. Apple. I mean, no, I can because Apple sells makes a lot of money for these artists. Like, God bless you if you if if you're an indie artist and you get your song played like on an i yeah you know, an iPhone. Do you commercial. think that speaks to the special relationship that you feel with an undiscovered artist? Like you own them or they're like an orphan that you've adopted or something, and that when everybody else owns them too. It's you felt like you're being cheated on or betrayed. I think there is a certain sense of like abandonment. Me and my wife, Emily, watched a Portlandia episode kind of recently, an older one where there was a band called Catnap. And uh, (laughs) and uh, this band, like they're just like some useless duo. And then, you know, a cat walks in the room and starts scratching on the post. and Like, oh, this is the new sound. And they're in a club and playing this. They're doing gangbusters because, you know, it's comedy. And then uh, Kristen Wiig is a guest star and she comes in. She's she is like the obsessive fan that comes out and it's just like, well, uh, you're not leaving this town. Uh, and she holds them at gunpoint and kidnaps them. And then, uh, you know, she's I think her main point is you're not going to abandon me the, the way that the other ones did. And I oh, think, yeah. I think yeah. it, it does speak to a loneliness and, I don't know, obsess- obsessiveness. Yeah. Or like uh, it's it's like a this is mine and don't take that away from me, even though you're the people that are going someplace. And it's a very weird thing that it's almost like these people don't want these artists that they love to become successful. Right. Them. It's the whole if only like Morrissey did a song about this or something. Mm. 
you know, but no, it is that thing that it's like you would think you would be a champion of a person's art or an artist art. And you want them to be successful. But there's this group of people who just that's I, like the antithesis of what they want. I think there's also a weird thing where uh, you get to a point where let's say they're playing like stadium shows and let's say there was a Morrissey stadium show. Sure. And you still want to be the first person at the front of the, you know, in the front row and, you know, Morrissey name checks and it's like winks at you. And like, you've been with me since the beginning, but ultimately it's not that it's, you're just this awash in a sea of, uh, Latinos. It's a Morrissey show. What, Latinos. Los Angeles. Yeah, so as, as the guy who lost the last round, he's kind of my indie right now. So Richard, you're up. Uh, hey, with hey, your, you're with me before anyone else yeah, was. Totally. You're so nobody right now, but I'm supporting you as you are an emerging artist. Fight the power. Um, I also like to point out, I do believe this will not be the last, that will not be the last time that Portlandia is mentioned on this that show is podcast. So and it really is kind of totally sidetracked here, but it really is a show that's, I think, 80% about snobbery. Like so much of that comedy is about people who are just snobs and don't understand that they're snobs and like don't have any like self awareness sure. about it. So I, I'd been thinking about this as I was putting together this episode, uh, my, my my Rushmore. And my first one is actually music snobs as well. As, as it should be. Yeah. Yeah. I think this is the one we were talking. I had talked about before. I said 100 percent. We're both going to have yeah. this. Um, I'm going to go a little bit of a different route. And this one, at least I can totally sort of self-proclaim myself that I know I do this. And that it's the type of music snob who is just utterly offended that you don't understand the history of something else. Mm. Like sort of the music snob who doesn't understand that you don't know Roxy music and will reference that when you are trying to like say, oh, I really like Franz Ferdinand. And then that music snob would go, well, if you like Franz Ferdinand, you you totally get how it's like this Roxy music, 1974 sort of thing. And then when the other person goes, well, I don't really know Roxy music. Did sure, they do there, that more there, than this there, song? There are some bones to the creature that is the thing that they like and it's like well you don't yeah well how do, how do you what do you mean you don't know and then it becomes this whole thing well you must be really idiotic if you don't understand where this whole history of the music and it's like no well everyone knows that green day was the pioneer of uh, the punk <laughs> punk green day uh, the punk, punk yeah. of the punky music yeah they yeah. invented punk rock yeah. everybody invented knows that punk rock and there was a first one I, I, I believe michael has been on the uh receiving end of a rant or two of mine about green day and i believe this will come up probably in a future podcast so i don't want to I have. I, I don't want to spiral this episode out of I, control with this, but I, I don't think there's anything wrong with Green Day. Um, I don't think they're uh, incredible, but I think that they are. Uh, we're getting off but, track. Yeah, I, exactly. I, I, it's, it's it's. But it is. It's funny you mention that because it is that sort of high fidelity thing. Sure. Of the like, I can't remember if this was in the movie. I know it's definitely in the book. Where the big rant about how, well, you like Green Day? Well, you need to listen to Stiff Little Fingers because they just ripped off everything. And it's this whole kind of like, I know more about the history of this than you. So therefore, my opinion is more valued and important. Do you think like that person truly 
Um, I don't know if this is true with any of your lists or not, but one of my pet peeves is grammar snobs. Sure. And, and they pretend they say they love the English language. That. When the reality is. Oh, Michael's dog, by the way, really upset about yeah, grammar snobs. Champagne is a grammar snob. Growling. And this, you know, what? I'm curbing Stephen Fry because he had uh, articulated this point is that people pretend people who correct you on commas and theirs and their theirs and all these things. They pretend that they're defending the English language. Which they, which they love and really they're not the type of person who's going to write a poem or coin a new word which Shakespeare did or uh, go to a poetry slam which is good because I hate those too but they pretend to love the language when they really just want to be jerks and Nazis about mm. things like that so what I got this is Jeff Hopkins poetry slam snob yeah that's it that's okay. my name is Jeff Hopkins and I'm oh, here no, to say, say. <laughs> I'm the baddest poetry slammer in the USA <laughs> All right, so um, I'm my face is red. So now that means we're going to Michael for his second of the worst kinds of snobs. One of the worst kinds of snobs and is the snob that is very proud of having never seen Star Wars oh. or any incarnation of Star Wars. I do not understand. Like, I understand that there are a lot of movies and a lot of options for you to see movies there are millions and thousands i maybe not millions but there are thousands like i get it at some point there are certain cornerstones and certain uh certain movies and cultural events that you just happen upon and for the past 40 years guys 40 years like star wars has been a movie phenomenon in some way or in the other Mm. Uh, over the last eight months, uh, before the latest Star Wars movie came out, I read article after article, like on Esquire, and uh, I can't remember where else. It might have been like AV Club, talking about I've never seen a Star Wars movie and being super proud, like super proud of being like you are a pop culture specialist and you're being super proud of being so far out of the zeitgeist. Like I don't understand. Like. How that should automatically disqualify you from writing this article. Like, I don't care if you lie, be a liar who is claims has never seen well, Star Wars because it feels like you have to have gone so far out of your way not to have seen Star Wars like you were actively trying to be yes, the guy agreed. or the girl who never saw Star Wars. It's like you can't. It's such a part of just culture at this point. It's almost the snobbery involved in shutting yourself out of being part of a phenomenon or like this could apply to anything. It's not just Star Wars, but I, I think of it because I love Star Wars. It, it applies to it in terms of like. It's like, the oh, I don't I don't own a TV like I'm sure that existed for a lot of food. It's a cuisine like I don't I've never tried Chinese food and I'm not going to do that now. Like you're spe- yeah. when you're specifically alienating yourself from something because everyone else is doing it. It is such the epitome of snobbery. It is, or that purposeful trying to go against the grain. I mean, it's, I feel like that's related. I don't have this on there. I almost put it on there. Was like the, I don't like the thing everybody else likes yeah. type of snob. Like, I don't like the Beatles type guy. Well, yeah, Beatles are really overrated. Eh, not so much. I think so, especially when something has, it's almost like, um, the Beatles, and I would even say Star Wars, have no longer exist 
they as an individualized part of the culture, they've become a fat part of the fabric. Yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Mm-hmm. So, so let's talk about if if you were to cast the Beatles as as a Star Wars character, each let's Han is, is John. That, yeah, is that just because it rhymes? I don't know. I feel like Luke is George, honestly, because he gets so deep into the kind of exotic. So it's like like C three PO R two D two is definitely Ringo. Or is it? He's yeah. he, he's kind of forgotten about, but he is the beat that keeps it going. He is literally the MacGuffin that that keeps the first Star Wars movie going. He's the humor through the rest of them. He's mm-hmm. the guy that you can't. No one dislikes Ringo, and no one dislike. There is not a person that right. dislikes R two. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I just have to say this really quick. So if we're talking, let it be in some later albums. Billy Preston, Billy D. Williams. I feel like there's a Lando. Billy so what do you? Preston. Why are you saying that? Zero people are talking about George because Harrison they, right now. They were brought in to spice things up. Were there any other characteristics you could think of that they're similar in? I don't see color. It's not even, especially with space color. Seems like some sort of like medical problem. <laughs> all, all space is black, they so I can have, see where you're going. They both have Billy. I, that's a coincidence. It's, right. It's too much there. We, ne- we never cast Paul. Who would Paul be real quick? I feel like Princess Leia. 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 Yeah. Yeah. Kind of like, like the force that kind of drives everything, even if it's kind of a pain in the ass force yeah. sometimes. I feel he, like said, he said force. He get said it. Force. Okay. Uh, Richard, jump in with your number. The deuce. The okay. Deuce. El deuce. El, el duce. Um, I'm going to go with beer snobs. And I, I went back and, you know, and, and again, I can, I can really interest in what you have to say. Right? I can also self-report on this a little bit that I, I, I sometimes have elements of this zero. Uh, I try I, to catch myself. I want to call it bullshit. Cause I see you just like put down like PBR after just the PBR. worst beer ever possible. Yeah, Like I don't think it matters, but I can also but. get snobby about like my love of like really shitty beers, okay. but it's, I, I went back and forth on this between wine snobs and beer snobs. And I settled on beer snobs because I feel like beer snobs are, have that inferiority complex to wine snobs. Yeah. And it's also, they've, you know, wine has been a thing that people have sort of admired and venerated and sort of talked about and compared for hundreds of years. And suddenly beer snobs are trying to take the exact same tact to it. That's so great. let me get a that big great. let me get a big nose of this beer. And you know, we got a little bit of woodiness to it, but the back end's kind of it's like, no, it's a beer. It's a beer. And one of the I think one of the things that really defines a snob is somebody who just will not let you have their opinion, like your own opinion on something. So I I, I do this with my wife. I like IPAs. She does not like IPAs. Invariably, when I buy it or get an IPA, I'll drink it and go, oh, you should try this. What is it? Oh, it's an IPA. You know, I don't like IPAs. Mm. No, but you should try it anyway. I think it's what yeah. you'd like. Like you haven't I like this. really push it on her. And yeah. then it's like invariably. No, I don't like this. It's an IPA. IPA is the Frank Zappa album that she just hasn't heard the right Frank Zappa album. If, if you yeah, really yeah. got in the right frame of mind, you yeah. would like this. Yeah. Like, why do I do this? Yeah. She likes like. Give her a Newcastle. She's happy. Yeah. Why do I need to keep pushing IPA on her or like a citron, like a, a citrus one that, that smells like cat piss? The point is to just to get her drunk, right? Mm. Well, well, that's of course. You know, one of the best things that uh, I really like about uh, beer snobbery is the commercial for like Miller Lite when like Miller Lite wins. Like this is the best of Germany award for right. beers, and just like this crummy beer. Sorry, Miller Lite fans. I like I like Miller Lite more than Bud Light. I like Miller Lite more than Coors Light personally. But like I love when like Coors Light wins 
Best the Bavarian of, Beer Award. Yeah, best of best of beer award for the, the most hoppy. And these are all made up bullshit. They're, they're awards, all nonsensical. Right? But I love when like the most generic. It would be like McDonald's winning best best French, best chicken McNuggets. I mean, I, I know we're, we're we'll probably get to best French fry Mount Rushmore French fry. Yeah, I've got that on my list. That's pretty good. No, actually, but, not a bad like, one. McDonald's French fry is pretty good. Add some tonight. I mean, we're we're, we're going to talk I about did. it. But like, I love the idea that. There are these weird like undercutting of like the snobbery by right. like the lower class, <laughs> lower class beer. It's right. like, oh, I think like even last year or like the year before, there was a whole campaign of like, fuck you beers. We're Miller Lite and we're people are going to drink our beer. And there's a bunch of snobs that are drinking like Apple IPAs mm-hmm. and all these different beers that you like all these like small craft beers. Right. Go to hell. Well, I hate you. And there's garbage. This, so we we're in Los Angeles. That's and, great. The, uh. and the big kind of like the, the originator of the kind of the craft beer movement here in Los Angeles was Golden Road. And I guess 2015, a few months ago, they were bought out by InBev, I think. They're bought out by one of the really big like conglomerates. And in the craft beer movement, it was this giant like, I can't believe they sold again, that that sort of like like band thing. I can't believe they sold out. And yeah, I, I guess I get it. But it's like you're going to get the same beer you had before. They're not going to screw with the, it that much. And they made money off of their business. Hey, guess Have fun what? With that. Guess what? When uh, Modest Mouse went from Barsook to uh, Capital, they made a really great album. Same thing with the beers. Yeah. I can't argue with that logic. We're at our halfway point. I just want to let you know that uh, even though this is a dialogue between Richard and Michael that I referee as much as I can referee two children who don't listen, um, we want what? you to join the dialogue. Oh, Richard, silence. Shh. Adults are talking. We want you to join the dialogue by going and uh, uh, making suggestions on future episodes at uh, facebook.com forward slash MT Rushmore podcast or tweet us through the Twitter device MT Rushmore pod. Or if you can follow us online and in the comments section after you rate us and give us a five star rating or a 10 star rating or whatever you choose. You can also uh, make a suggestion in the iTunes or the Stitcher, wherever you want to rate us. Um, or just go or just go to the website, mtrushmorepodcast.com. Yeah, mtrushmorepodcast.com and check that out. And it's got the dancing hamster on it and the hit counter. <laughs> right. It's GeoCities, Angel Fire, MT Rushmore Podcast. Every once in a while, we don't have enough bandwidth, and you get the builder guy. The builder guy. <laughs> like, not working. Be right back. So we're two and two, and I got to say, you know, my job is really tough because I disagree equally with both of these guys right now. But Michael's coming in with his third, which could tip it. Uh, my third uh, choice is a very specific choice. It wasn't like the worst kind of – I guess it is. Uh, so I'll get to it. It's Judge Smalls from Caddyshack. <laughs> And he is... Is it Smalls or Smales? Oh, Smales. I'm sorry. Yeah. We'll fix that in post, Michael. That's yeah, good. Sorry. Uh, he is the worst kind of rich snob. We're not going to fix that in post. Rich snobs are some of the worst snobs. Uh, and I, I chose Judge Smales because he didn't only... Uh, he wasn't only like just like a rich a-hole. He pretended to put... Uh, someone that was like lower class, uh, like he tried, he pretended to give them a helping hand. To give a crap about him when he really didn't. But all he was doing was just, like just trying to make himself feel better. 
And that's the worst kind of snobbery when you have so much and you can potentially give to someone else, but it is only in light of making yourself look like a better person, an incredible person. And uh, in Caddyshack, Judge Schmales, uh is he is, uh, you know, Ted Knight is the R- best R.I.P. I mean, he was he the was best. great and too close for comfort. Can we, Mary Tyler we can, Moore. Can we please do like a sidebar on Ted Knight and how incredible he was oh, yeah. as a uh, as a comedian? Yeah. Like he had one. He's one of those guys that had like one specific type of character, mm-hmm. but just yeah, and it just owned that character. And he, I'm sure he and, I, and I'm sure he was a great person in real. I, I don't know. Maybe he no, was no. Hassle. probably I, was I, a really I great guarantee, guy. I guarantee. This is the Michael. Michael Winfield guarantee. I, 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 I hope that there's Michael's luck of the week. There's a sound effect that goes along with this. The Michael Winfield guarantee <laughs> that <laughs> Ted Knight <laughs> is the, one of the greatest people in the history of mankind. Yeah. It was like, like, have you read Charles Grodin's first? He has like three episodes or three rounds of biography in this. I read one. Chuck Grodin's. Is that Chuck the same Grodin, guy? Michael just dropped the least famous person in show business. Right. <laughs> Name dropping. Uh, he talks about being on a serious dramatic soap opera with Ted Knight, and they're both merged as comedic actors later on. He said that try to keep a straight face when you're delivering dialogue about a cancer patient with Ted Knight. <laughs> <laughs> All they did was break up and ruin every take of the soap opera. Uh, uh, and, and if we did a Mount Rushmore of comedic bad guys, Judd Smales, by the way, also, let's 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 file that one, by the way. Yeah, that's a good one. But Judd Smales would be right at the top of the list. I mean, oh, yeah. that is just the yeah. quotable. How about a fresco, Danny? <laughs> like everybody can do a, a like a passable sort of like yeah. Ted Knight Judd Smales yeah. impersonation. Who's the right? guy who played the tick? Who was the guy? He was Patty pa- Warburton. Patrick yeah, Warburton. Warburton. I feel yeah. like he kind of stepped into that Ted Knight pompous. Mm. Or the, actually, I think more the guy who played Jay Peterman. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. 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 Well, that I think that I think he uh, kind of represents this big. I also wrote down uh, first and hell with her, Jim Backus. Yeah, that's a good Just one. Like, yep. if, if you're from like the northeastern part of the United States, it's that mid-Atlantic yeah. accent that yeah. is like fading nowadays. that just doesn't exist. Yeah. But if you're this long, this thing that talks like this and you're so rich and you have you have to close your eyes while you talk. And if there was a video of this, we described it as he. The guy who was born on third base and act like he just hit a triple. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, and that's the thing. Like most great bad guys don't realize they're bad guys. No, they yeah. just. And I'm sure Judge Smales felt like, oh, I'm trying to do Danny a favor yeah. by, by giving him the scholarship. And it's like, oh, oh, my boy. Oh, Billy Blue. But just, oh, but, yeah, yeah. but just one awful person from the get go. And right. you, it's funny because like as like a viewer, you just you know it like you don't like. They're like, you know, we talked about Star Wars earlier. Like Darth Vader walks in the room. And you're like, that's a bad guy. Right. Smales walks in. And you're like, that's the guy I got to hate. I don't know. Okay, Richard, what's your third? Oh, sorry. So my third um, are mom and dad snobs, kind of parenting snobs. <laughs> this, yeah. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> this is, I, by the way, opening up a, I'm really a can of worms right, right here. This is super exciting. <laughs> 
I got to Yeah, my, my, go ahead, Michael. I'm going to back off the microphone because I'm really excited. What is it specifically? Well, and here's the thing. In, in background for you guys that don't know. I, I've got two kids. The other guys. Oh, stop it, Richard. So stop I'm it. doing it right now. So oh. so you guys don't know as a, da- as a dad, oh. I want to go through. Jeff and I are trying to have kids really <laughs> with, each other. with each other. We haven't figured I, out I, the I, biology I yet. I can't stick it in any hole that works. <laughs> It, it, it's specifically the I do what's right for my kid, uh, and therefore, if you're doing something else, it's wrong. But I'm not going to tell you it's wrong, so I'm going to find out a find a way to say it that is very specifically designed to make you feel bad about it. Dis- well, you know, I you know we we we, we stopped using the Bjorn a while ago because we we kind of we kind of kind of felt like that wasn't wasn't kind of giving little Archer the best uh, back support. We just found these research studies that said there's a chance if you use Bjorn that way, your kid's going to wind up you know being paralyzed. So if you want to use it, that's totally fine. I totally understand why you would use it. Can I give a weird subset of this? Sure. Is when uh, your dogs replace your kids as your kids. <laughs> is if you refer to uh, your dogs as uh, my babies or yes. you say, you say uh, I am the parent to my dog, like me and uh, my wife, Emily, Joe is like, I'm a doggy daddy because there you go from Hanna-Barbera. Right. But I don't I don't believe it. I treat my dog like my dog. You know, it's fun. Fun fact, except, about- except for when, like, I get him in a headlock, and when he's a real sweet boy, and I love him, and I love you, Shannon. <laughs> but yeah, but like, yeah, that's a strange subset of like crazy overparenting when you overparent to the point when you put all of those feelings onto the pet that just eats and shit. And 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 fun fact. By the way, fun fact about uh, thinking that your pets are kid or like your kids. Well, you know, I understand. We have dogs. Fun fact. Um, if you need to go out for a couple hours, you can leave your dog here. Be okay. Um, leave if I leave my three year old at home for a couple hours, uh, they call CPS and I get let away in handcuffs. <laughs> so slight difference, and it's like that. But it's, to get back to this. It's like that whole helicopter parenting thing, and just I mean, it's a bigger thing, of course, about just like let your kids kind of roll around in the dirt. When you want to take your up. kid up in a helicopter like the rich songs do. <laughs> right. You fly around and you go from Hiana Sport to. Uh, yes. I am a helicopter parent. When I get my get mad at my kid, I pick him up and spin him around like a helicopter until <laughs> he I stops like doing you, it. Your, each of your threes could kind of merge together with the. Uh, remember Spalding saying, I want a hot dog and I want a chili dog. <laughs> right. And I went, You'll get nothing and like it. You'll get nothing and like it. <laughs> $20 says he picks his nose. God, Richard, that's a good one. So, yeah, that's. I, yeah. I, I, you know what I think too yeah. enhances that uh, the profile of the the mom and dad snobs is the platforms that allow them to broadcast out their opinions. Sure, uh, Facebook, Twitter, 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 the twat. I, okay, Instagram. Okay, I I want to add uh, like a three point five uh, snob subject here. When people pretend. I might lose this right here. When people pretend they don't know that it's called Twitter, oh, okay, they yeah. call it Twatter, or the or the the Insta book, the Insta book, or the, the Facegram. When, when face people, when people say like Facegram or my 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 space my, my, Facebook, my, my What about the the, the internets? Is that Sega, Sega Genesis? I love you, Jeff. Is that the most it, you and listen, Richard and I are not professionals. 
Clearly. We are Clearly. Not. But Je- Jeff is 100% the mayor of Burbank. Yes, that's true. He is a professional in Guys, every way. Please stop. Please. Jeez, no. This is the upside of an insult. I feel this, it coming. There's, there's, there's he, is, he, is, he, is, he is good friends of, uh, of big time entertainers like Smash Mouth. This is, right. the, there, this is, this is this, the pinky before the penis yeah, comes. There's like, a hand job coming right here. Uh, it ends with like the hand smashing you in the face. Right. For you to deliver that sort of joke is so insulting. And I hate to be a comedy snob about this, but I think you're better than that. I think I you're better than that, Jeff. I was trying to avoid paying, I think the, you're better than paying the money that comes when we do mention those social media platforms. <laughs> we, we have to. I forgot about the cha-ching that comes <laughs> out of mentioning <laughs> Twitter. Uh, royalties. Uh, we are at the uh, final round. So I've really emotionally made my decision hours ago on this one. I think I knew who, who I wanted to win on this. So this is really just going through the motions, but we might as well go through them. Brian, uh, Brian, Brian, hey Brian. Brian. My name is Brian Bryant Brinfield, and uh, Brian Mikefield. I mean, Brian, as my, in Brian's song, as in Brian Piccolo who died in the movie. So we see who survives this one. But my last one, it will be, is the coffee snob. Oh. Now this is the person that shows up to Starbucks and has a very very specific uh, drink order. It's not just, I will say this. I love having coffee in the morning. I drink my coffee with milk and sugar. I probably could just have a glass of warm milk and sugar and be fine. And then eh, coffee's involved. That's, that's the other thing. But if you walk into a Starbucks and you're behind the person that orders the drink that is that features uh, an alternative milk, that features like a soy, like a soy or something, or coconut, almond milk, or almond. That's three. That's three right there. And I didn't even mention regular mm-hmm. milk. That mentions the number of pumps they have that goes into their drink. A special latini. Mm-hmm. Wow, that was very difficult to say. Uh, like the, the size, or, or you know, you could say like, I'm gonna have. A venti in a grande cup or a grande in a venti cup. Like mm-hmm. the person that has that drink order and then doesn't get it and then cannot have whatever the alternative is, is incredible, incredible to me. Cause I like, I go in and I just like, I want a coffee. It's like, I want like a, a venti, like I'll have, I'll have like a vanilla frappuccino or I'll have a vanilla mocha or whatever. I'll have a, a latte. It's fine. Oh, we're out of this. Oh, that's cool. I feel like I just put myself above them in a weird snobby way. And I, maybe that might've been shitty, but like the person that cannot deal with whatever order is there or, or like they, they can't deal with the alternative mm. to whatever is present. They can't just them. go along with the flow. Yeah. I'm not going to have a lot to say about this just because I don't drink coffee because coffee, wow, what a snob because coffee's for closers and I am Jack <laughs> Lemon. Um, but it feels like it's like that almost like kind of like artist art, like artisanal snobs that kind of like, like whole world of, well, do you have something that's really been uh where have your bean coffee beans been? Uh, sure. From? Yeah. It's like that sort of like person, right? Yeah. They want it. They want it. They want to source your food. Mm-hmm. To the nth degree, and it also it also kind of plays into the uh, person that is like the create a plate snob, 
uh, where right. they go into the restaurant and, you you know, there are nine things on the menu and then they just order whatever they want in their minds. Mm-hmm. Like, well, yeah. Do you have like lamb? Well, we don't have lamb. Well, I just want some lamb and I want it medium rare and I want to f- so just, just throw some tomatoes on it and it's just do that. And like the, the assumption that someone else is going to fill in the gaps of whatever your mind is. And then I hope, I hope that at the end of the day, there's a really like shitty Yelp review. Right. <laughs> just like this person is like, and then it's not, it's, not, it's never going to be about the food itself. It's going to be like, well, his shoes were untied. So zero stars. Right. Well, the food is really food is really great. Service was good, but I had to pay five dollars for parking. So one star. All that right, guy. Uh, Richard, wrap us up. Yeah, I'll, I'll wrap it up real quick. And I feel in like, this bird. And I feel like, by the way, that I had artisanal snobs and also crunchy vegan snobs, <laughs> which I feel like are very similar to what you're talking about. Like the the well, you know, um, if you guys really want to be healthy, where was that kale from? God, I, I love the difference between snob voices of like, oh, I'm the rich snobs up here. And then like the, the crunchy artisanal snob is it's much lower well, in I can, tone. And like, well, if you do this. <laughs> well, all I can think of is uh, from Beavis and Butthead, the, the English teacher. Mm, the, the, I remember the name. No, I, I don't yeah. either. Somebody, somebody I'm sure will His name immediately. is. And we'll <laughs> and we'll fix that there. In yeah, po- in post. post. Da, 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 da. Um, so my last snob is comedy snobs, mm. which oh, yeah, I, I oh. feel like Jeff should wow. probably have some some input on this one. But here's the thing about comedy: if you laugh, it worked. And I understand the idea of a cheap laugh. We're going to talk about some stuff coming up. Yeah, real soon. <laughs> I'm very interested in this. <laughs> I understand the idea of a cheap laugh versus like a very sophisticated sort of really made you think or was based on this sort of very grand idea that plays on a lot of different levels. Sometimes just playing on the real base level. Super excited right now. Just fine. (laughs) Because so my example of this is always Monty Python's Flying Circus, which I'm sure we all love. I'm sure most people listening love. And if you try to explain that to people, it's like, oh, when you say I I love Monty Python. Oh, you love really kind of like complex, erudite. It operates on a couple different levels. So if you don't understand. One of the levels would be wordplay and commentary on classes. Very erudite and kind of like, you know, sophisticated. And it's like, yeah, that works to some extent. And then sometimes they have things where two guys are just dancing, hitting each other with fish. Until one guy pulls out a giant like tuna and whacks the other guy into a harbor. Yeah. And it's the funniest thing you've ever seen. Uh, with my daughter, I started one night. We just sat down and we were watching YouTube videos. And I just start putting on Monty Python skits mm-hmm. that I thought that an eight year old would really appreciate. Mm-hmm. And she just thought they were the funniest things yeah. ever. It was like that's great. The fish slapping dance. It was the crunchy uh, frog yeah. Uh, candy company. Yeah. It was upper class Twitter of the year. I hope was on there. Yeah, I think we yeah. got to that one eventually. It I was, showed I showed that one to my wife, and she'd never seen that. And it was it it was it went over to like gangbusters. Oh, we had yeah. dead parrot sketch. Yeah, and so comedy can work on a, this great, you know, very educated and sophisticated level, and it can also be 
just the stupidest shit you've ever seen. Mm-hmm. And one doesn't validate the other, invalidate the other. And they can both exist at the same time. Ah, that's so good. I, I, I have a couple of points to that. Um, when uh, Emily and I first moved into our, our apartment, at some point we were just done for the day and you're just like so like bodily tired. And we had like a bottle of wine and on TV was the love guru with Michael Myers. Now, Richard might roll his eye at me for being a comedy snob. It was one of the funniest things that I'd ever seen in either of us. And I, it was like, had been out of theaters for like two years and we both wrote it off as like, this is just, it's going to be terrible. It's going to be terrible. And we were just watching it and it was right in line with just one of the funniest things that we'd ever seen. And it could have been, maybe you, you mix, you know, half a bottle of wine and a bit of delirium from moving all day and the endorphins. Um, But it was one of those things where like, it didn't matter that the humor was kind of like this weird base humor. Right. It just, everything fell into like the right, like that right jigsaw place where it just, it was just perfect for that moment. And it took you out of like, well, this wasn't smart humor. It wasn't like, it wasn't the dumbest humor. Like there had been dumber Michael Myers things that are Mike Myers. It's not Michael Myers. <laughs> Dumb Michael Myers things oh, are like he's a, he's like hitting you with the wrong end of his knife. <laughs> that would be an incredible. He's got his mask on backwards. Can we so talk about like such see. an incredible, an incredible Friday the Thirteenth movie where he doesn't actually kill you. Where he's he just, just he just he just hits you with the wrong end of a pane of glass. You're just like, oh, well, this sucks. Instead of being stabbed through the heart, this is just. Well, Justin F. Hell Needham did a version of Friday the 13th <laughs> where they said a bunch of like bloopers at the end that are just like that. Dom DeLuise and yeah, Michael Myers just sort of like. Yeah. And I, and I, that, that, that didn't hurt me. Oh, God, this is going to be really snobby and I'm going to say it, but it comes down to like, I think I saw like Mike Myers. It was on like the inside the actor studio and he had this thing about like he, a lot of his humor was talking about like his father and how he relates right. to his father. And he would say things like doesn't matter what makes you laugh is that you laugh and it was it got this weird like it was such an important thing for me to think about in terms of like you could be the smartest person in the room and if and if a fart joke works it works and it like who can't it like at that yeah. point you're just laughing and that is so what's important yeah well here's the thing what we're before we started taping this we we're talking about some movies and the two movies that we kind of all agreed that we loved rushmore and Anchorman. And those could be, in a lot of ways, they're just, the senses of humor are so, like, different. You know, mm-hmm. Rushmore is this very kind of, like, dry, like I said, I'll go back to it again, sophisticated. Anchorman is just, like, broad, in your face. Every joke is just, like, screaming at you. And they both work equally well. Mm-hmm. And I, Yeah, but Anchorman works better because of fart jokes. That's true. Yeah. I'm convinced that, uh, so like I have like about 20 different opinions on this and some of it has to do, I would say some of the snobs that having worked as a professional stand-up comic for some time, some of the snobs, the smaller percentage of the comedy snobs are people who make their living from comedy. And those individuals who see some people say cheating in that profession by stealing jokes from somebody else, feel like they have an insight, but not a reason to be more snobbish about it. Their insight is that some people are getting away by not 
really investing themselves creatively in becoming an original purveyor of this product that they're selling. But they are of zero justification because like food, like music, like many of the other things we consume for entertainment, it works at in a erudite level and it works in a basic level. And if you don't like that, get the fuck out of the business because right. people are going to enjoy a Big Mac as much as they're going to enjoy a meal at the Chez Panisse in Berkeley, California, that's been prepared by a five-star chef and they're going to just dig it. And they don't care whether Lenny Bruce made that Big Mac in the fifties or whether a vaudevillian comic or Commedia dell'arte comedian made that Big Mac. They're just going to dig it. Well, and, and, and Richard, please make sure that you uh, edit in a bunch of swelling music. Yeah, I know, <laughs> uh, right? I, I hope that that builds throughout. Uh, well, what you guys couldn't see in podcast time is was that Jeff stood up <laughs> and it was like, there's like a, a dramatic lighting went on him as he was saying. Oh, my eyes so eye started welling up a little what bit. What I think right. is fascinating is I think uh, one of the reasons why people don't like female comics, male or female, is because Boops. they're not very funny. <laughs> Comedy is an act of aggression and control. If somebody can make you laugh, they own your ass for that moment that you're laughing very or true. applauding. And if somebody thinks a woman shouldn't control them, if somebody thinks a base, uneducated comic who stole his joke from somebody else shouldn't be controlling them, then they get their sphincter tightens up and they become upset. So, well, a couple things here. One, uh, Norm Macdonald has talked about when he was doing weekend update, the last thing he wanted was people to applaud because applause was like, Oh, well, I agree. Oh, I agree with what you're saying. And no, he wants you to laugh because you can't control the laugh. Yeah. Laugh just sort of happens. You don't have to think about it. It just mm. kind of is there. And the second part of this, and I'm, God, I'm opening up a can of worms here. The whole like about Rushmore of can of worms. Let's see. Uh, the earthworms, inchworms, uh, wormy from uh, uh, Sesame Street. The the whole kind of movement toward these improv, not improv, but just sort of institutionalized classes. Oh, yeah. yeah. You know, like the, the, the UCB yeah. or the groundlings or some of these other sort of like schools of improv. Where it's like there's a very specific theory and thought process and way you go about being funny. And maybe it's because, you know, Michael and I have zero background on this. We're just two idiots just sort of yammering. But it's just this idea of like that you're trying to like institutionalize a concept of being funny, that you have to go through these steps and you have to take these classes or you have to think about being funny a certain way. And it's like, you know. Did Peter Sellers think about being funny a certain way? Was there a theory behind what he did or Lenny Bruce or, you know, on and on and on? No, they just were funny and they did things that they thought were funny and it made other people laugh or maybe sometimes it didn't. And that was okay Mm -hmm. too. Yeah. And I just, the the whole kind of like, that whole kind of like improv world kind of always feels a bit like a pyramid scheme to me. Oh yeah. In some ways. Yeah. So it just kind of makes me a little weak. Some of those institutions that you, they, I think they, their endeavors are to create an individual, but they end up creating a template or a product that cranks out the same kind of funny that you're going to, that is especially, and what do you see? When do you see that product? When you see it pop up on the office or Larry Sanders or something and you go, Oh, that guy's acting just like the other guy who did that, who came out of groundlings or UCB or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, you know, I, I am going to reiterate that, uh, we are creating dialogue here between two juvenile delinquents named Michael and Richard, but it should be a dialogue that you're included in. You can give us your feedback. If be, 
it via the Twitter or Twatter or Tweeter or whatever the Wacky Morty DJ. Michael, so, whoa, oh boy. <laughs> this is the Wacky yeah. Zoo, wacky just, zoo Morty crew. With what's Je- the deal with this blogging stuff? With, with, I'm with, just going to huff my way through the rest of it. With that. Jeff and the Rickster. Huff. Uh, that's the MT Rushmore podcast on at Twitter. Or the check us out at Facebook, uh, the Mount Empty Rushmore podcast.com with Facebook in front of that. And that's how you can join the dialogue and let us know what you want us to talk about. We'll ignore it. But right. Yeah, well, we'd like to hear it. Yeah. We're not going to yeah. act on it at all. We'd like to hear it. We don't listen to each other. We're not going to listen to you. The the brain has been churning all the time that I've been uh, listening to today's uh, very, very valid arguments. He's um, referring to himself as the brain. And uh, even though Richard came out strong with beer snob, oh, I'm sorry, with music snobs and beer snobs and mom and dad snobs and comedy snobs, I'm going to have to say that he didn't really even have to come out that strong because Michael came out so weak and he touched on a few of uh, some secret snobberies that I've held my entire life and I, I hate feel this. very much empowered by. I hate this 50-50 booking right now. Yeah, oh, one, man. What is uh, my coffee snobbery? When I go to Starbucks, I order, order a quadruple <laughs> tall, one and a half pump, uh, non-fat mocha. And, and I love it and they love that I'm very specific about it and they smile at me and I smile at them. I bet they know his face and they know his... <laughs> they, they know my face and sometimes I don't have to say anything. They just go, the huge... And I finger gun them while I'm look, looking at my Facebook or something like that. On, or the your twatter, face, your face page, my Twitter, my MySpace. I, face a, space. I, I accidentally turned this on. This, yeah. this on myself. Yeah, <laughs> you've unleashed the Kraken. And uh, the other thing I would say you've unleashed is uh, I would make a Harry Potter reference, but I don't know Harry Potter because I haven't seen a goddamn <laughs> so frame great. of Harry Potter so because great. I hate Harry Potter without even really seeing Harry Potter, and I cherish. The fact that I haven't seen a frame of Harry Potter, except for this one time somebody tried to play Harry Potter. I threw my hands in the air and I walked out and I said, I have never seen Harry Potter and I'm going to embrace the anger inside of me for Harry Potter. Snobs are ultimately out. very sad people. He sounds very Slytherin over here, doesn't he? <laughs> you know what oh, I he see? is totally a Slytherin if you When I see the Wizarding World of Harry Potter, people's Facebook, that attraction, I think, look at that piece of crap they built in the middle of Hollywood. I'll never go. So, uh, for the reasons of that, I am embracing my snobbery. Richard is the winner of this round of the Mount Rushmore. Well, podcast. Jeff, I'd like to say first off, thank you for choosing me, and most importantly, I'm happy that I'm better than Michael, even That's though he snobbery. wears a hit ascot and glasses. May I, may I have your ascot, please, Michael? I believe I, I earned it for this round. I will just end this with harumph. <laughs> <laughs>